0: Uh, we're talking again about um, the seven deadly sins. We're this week we're at anger. We're you know anger. It's it's, it's interesting that um, anger would be one of the the deadly sins. It doesn't seem so so bad. I mean, uh, murder's not in the seven deadly sins, and treason is not in the deadly sins, and. Armed robbery is not one of the deadly sins, so, so why would anger be one of the seven deadly sins among others, pride, envy, sloth, gluttony, greed, lust, and anger? Well, remember that the seven deadly sins doesn't mean that they're the seven so-called worst sins. But almost 1,700 years ago, Christian thinkers began to consider these, these sins as the the root transgressions, these transgressions out of which other sins are born. Now that makes a little bit more sense where you can understand how that anger would be, would be the root of a lot of other sins. Anger is a big deal in the Bible. The Bible speaks a great deal about anger, but it, all, it almost sends us Mixed messages. In fact, in the text that Kristen read for us a moment ago, for Ephesians four twenty six says, "In your anger, do not sin." Which sounds like you can get angry, but just don't sin while you're angry. But four verses later, or five verses later, in chapter four, verse thirty one, it says, "Get rid of all rage and anger." Pretty plain words. Get rid of anger. So, how do we find this biblical balance between being angry and not sinning, and not being angry at all. I think it comes in understanding that there are different kinds of anger. This morning we're going to talk about, uh, about step-up anger, and we're going to talk about blow-up anger, and we're going to talk about pent-up anger. Step up, blow up, and pent-up. First let's talk about blow-up anger. Well, no, no, let's talk about step-up anger. Let's talk about that first. Step-up anger is that appropriate anger that that motivates us to do something about something that's wrong. Step-up anger is that which motivates us to step up and do something. We see something that's wrong and so we're, we're motivated to step up. In Mark 3, Jesus was in the synagogue on a Sabbath day and there was a man there with a crippled hand those, those interpreters of the law, those rigid, stern, uh, uptight, nitpicky interpreters of the law could see the compassion in Jesus' eye. They, they saw Jesus looking at this man with the crippled hand, and they knew that, that Jesus wanted to heal his hand, and so they watched him closely. They were ready to pounce on him, to, to declare him a heretic, uh, to declare him unorthodox. They would call for his head if he healed the man because it was the Sabbath and an act of healing was considered an act of work. Jesus, Mark 3 says, looked around at them in anger. Angry at their misplaced priorities. Anger at the fact that they would place nitpicky rules above the needs of a a human angry at their lack of compassion. Jesus said to that man, stretch forth your hand. And he did, and Jesus Jesus healed his hand. Jesus looked around at anger, at things that were wrong, and he did something constructive, productive, instructive. In the Bible, there are lots of stories of, of people with good anger, who stepped up and did something. Nehemiah, angry at, at, at um, injustice. Moses, angry at idolatry. Jesus, angry at legalism and at profiteering in the temple. Remember how he, he cleared the temple from those who were profiteering in the temple? It's a good thing to get angry about good things and to step up and, and do something. On May the 3rd, 1980, Carrie Leitner, age 13, was walking down the street of her home in Fair Fair Oaks, California, headed to a church carnival. When a drunken driver swerved and ran over Carrie and killed her, the man, the driver, fled the scene. When they finally caught him, They realized that this man had several citations for driving under the influence of alcohol. But he was still driving. Candace Leitner, Carrie Leitner's mother, was angry. She was angry at the driver. She was angry at, at all those who drive under the influence of alcohol. She was angry at the laws that were so inconsequential. That the laws that treated driving under the influence of alcohol so lightly. She was angry that, that to get caught driving drunk, you'd just get a slap on the wrist. She was angry that people would, would get caught and be cited and then still be out there again. So she was so angry that she founded MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. See, that's step-up anger. You see something that's wrong, and it makes you angry, and it motivates you to do something. That's a good anger. That's a good anger. But, but every angry, anger, all anger is not step-up anger. There's also blow-up anger. In James 21, the Bible equates anger with moral filth and evil. So what makes some anger so bad? Well it depends on on what makes you angry. In the story of Jonah, remember Jonah swallowed by the big fish? In chapter 4 verse 1, the Bible says Jonah was very angry. But then in in chapter 4 verse 5, it says that God asked Jonah, Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? pretty good question. Do you have a right to be angry? And often the answer is no. I, I've been offended. Somebody hurt my feelings. I've been dismissed or misunderstood or underloved, underappreciated, and so I get angry. You know, when, when we have no right to be angry, well, that's, that's bad anger. That's, that's sinful anger. Whether or not anger is bad depends on why we're angry. It also depends on, um, on what we do with our anger. When we get angry, do we lash out? Do we berate people? Do we regurgitate our inner venom all over people around us? Proverbs twenty nine eleven says, A fool gives full vent to his anger. A fool just lets her rip. A fool says, I don't care what they say. I don't care who's around here. I got some things I want to get off my chest. A fool just tears into people. A fool raises his or her voice. A fool just lets her rip. But but a wise man, the Bible continues, a, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. A wise man keeps himself under control. Some of us uh, probably need to keep ourselves under control. Some of us probably need to stop having temper tantrums. It wasn't cute when we were little and it's not cute now. Some of us us might need some help with a counselor to do that. You know, anger, anger management is a thing. A fool gives full vent to his or her anger, but a A wise person remains under control. In the 1940s, Branch Rickey was the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Branch Rickey saw a young man named Jackie Robinson, a young black man who was an outstanding baseball player. He was playing in what they then called the Negro League. But Branch Rickey saw that Jackie Robinson was such a talent that he, he deserved a place in the major leagues, but there were no black men in the major leagues. Now, Branch Rickey was a businessman to be sure, and he saw that Jackie Robinson, as talented as he was, would translate into a winning team, the Brooklyn Dodgers, which would translate into money at the ticket office. He was a businessman for sure, but Branch Rickey was a deeply devoted follower of Jesus. In fact, Branch Rickey was one of the founders of FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Some years earlier, Branch Rickey had seen a black man whom he deeply admired, mistreated, and it had stuck with him. And he saw now an opportunity to help make things right. So Branch Rickey signed Jackie Robinson. He integrated the major leagues. He signed Jackie Robinson to play with the Brooklyn Dodgers. But Branch Rickey knew and Jackie Robinson knew that this would not be easy. That in the 1940s, to integrate the major leagues would be a a big, frightening, potentially awful deal. And Branch Rickey was concerned about that. Jackie Robinson was known as an aggressive guy. Some even called him a hothead. And Branch Rickey said to Jackie Robinson, Jackie, people are going to say mean things. People are going to insult you. People are gonna make you angry. But you cannot retaliate. You cannot respond by lashing out. If you do, people will write you off. They both understood the, the importance of that moment. And Branch Ricky said, Jackie, you cannot, you cannot respond in anger. There's an important scene, the movie 42, which is the number that Jackie Robinson wore. The, the, the movie 42 tells that story of Branch Rickey and Jackie Robinson, and in that movie, there's an important scene in the office of Branch Rickey. According to ESPN, it is an accurate description of a real conversation. Branch Rickey was saying again to Jackie Robinson, you cannot respond in anger. Jackie Robinson asked him, Mr. Ricky, are you looking for somebody who doesn't have the guts to fight back? Hear that question. Are you looking for somebody who doesn't have the guts to fight back? Branch Ricky answered, no. I'm looking for someone who has the guts not to fight back. A fool gives vent to his anger. A wise man keeps himself under control. Jackie Robinson proved himself to be that kind of person because as people hurled all kinds of racial slurs and insults at him, he kept his mind on baseball. He didn't retaliate and helped pave the way for the civil rights movement that would begin a decade later. Jackie Robinson is one of the most pivotal members of our American history. Fools give vent, full vent to their anger. Wise people keep themselves under control. Please, let's be wise and not, and not just let her rip. There's step-up anger and there's blow-up anger, but let's, let's, let's talk about pent-up anger which is the potentially deadliest kind of anger. By pent-up anger, I'm talking about this bottled up, deep anger that some of us carry around with us secretly. Someone said, life is like a tube of toothpaste. You never know what's inside until you get squeezed. Well, when you get squeezed, what comes out? Somebody insults you. Something happens you don't like. If venom comes out, if anger comes out, then there's something wrong not just on the surface, but there's something wrong way down deep inside. Maybe some of us need to let some things go. In the Judean foothills near the Valley of Elah. The Valley of Elah, by the way, is where David killed Goliath. To this day, in the Judean foothills near the Valley of Elah, there's this big mound of dirt and rocks, which is said to be the grave of Goliath. Now, it's almost certainly not the grave of Goliath, but that's what people say. And there's a tradition to throw rocks on the grave of Goliath. So, buses will come by, and people get out and grab a rock and throw it. I did. I joined right in. He's been dead 3,000 years and we just won't let it go. (laughs) Poor Goliath. May he rest in peace. We ought to let that go. Some of us are mad at somebody. We all have our Goliaths. And so we carry that around, and it seethes, and it percolates all beneath the surface, this deep, pent-up, secret anger that we carry around. Anybody know who Elsa is in the movie Frozen? What was the song she sang? Yell it out. Let it go! Exactly. Elsa's a pretty good prophet. We, We just... Some of us got some things we ought to just let go because they're, they're resting beneath the surface and sometimes they, they break forth in anger. But there's something besides grudges that's even more dangerous, more deadly than grudges, and that's the, the fact that our, some of our anger grows out of deep, pain. Some of us have been hurt so badly and so deeply that that pain has resulted in deep, profound anger. Some of our anger grows out of deep hurt, hurt so deep that the only answer is to is to go back and be healed of that pain. I'm not a psychiatrist, of course, but I have some really good books, and those really good books say that lots of our depression, lots of our depression is rooted in anger. The experts tell us that anger actually causes the serotonin in our brains to be depleted, that serotonin, that chemical that enables us to feel joy that anger depletes that serotonin and it gets lost from the bloodstream and lost from the body through our waste so waste so that that good chemical that helps us to feel joy is so depleted by anger that that lots of our depression is rooted in anger some say 90% of depression is rooted in anger and lots of that anger is rooted in deep hurt in deep pain, anger at people who've, friends who have betrayed us, angry at families who have abused us, angry at God for not having protected us. Sometimes that deep, bottled-up anger explodes like a volcano that has, has lain dormant for decades, then triggered by something, the volcano erupts. So it is with some of us, we at some point in the past hurt so deeply that the pain has grown into anger. And when we get squeezed, we erupt. good counselors can help us and I hope you understand the importance of of good counseling but ultimately the only answer to that deep pain is to forgive to forgive the one who hurt us so deeply to forgive does not mean that we we have to trust that person again it doesn't mean we have to like that person again It doesn't mean we have to hang out with that person anymore. It doesn't mean we have to subject ourselves to his or her abuse anymore. Forgiveness means that we let our Lord work a miraculous work in our hearts. Forgiveness means we, we, we let our Lord work a miraculous work in our hearts whereby we are able to say, I, I'm not going to hold this against him anymore. I'm not gonna to try to hurt her anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to forgive. Years ago, I read a book, Sins of a Father by Kitty Chapel. It was a hard book to read. It was about horrific abuse by her father. There were times when I had to sit it down and go do something else. You know, there are lots of things I can see in the movies or on TV. I can, you know, I can watch blood and gore and it doesn't bother me, but abuse, I just can't stomach abuse. And when I I read this, there were times, again, I had to just sit it aside. Kitty Chapel on the very first page of her book says, My earliest memories were of him, her father, beating my mother as I cringed in a corner, holding my hands over my ears, did not shut out her screams. She talks about watching as her father would beat her brother Clyde. She tells of her father killing their pets, just slaughtering them out of pure evil. She talks about her 13th birthday. Her mother wanted to throw her a birthday party for her 13th birthday, but Kitty Chapel refused. Her mother had a black eye and a bruised jaw, and Kitty Chapel didn't want her friends to see that. So she celebrated her 13th birthday alone. She blew out 13 candles by herself and made a wish. Her wish was, I wish my father were dead. She was still a teenager when her uncle Paul came by one Sunday morning, wanted to know if she wanted to go to church. Surprisingly, her father, Let her go." And at church that Sunday, she heard things she had not heard before. This is how she described it. The preacher said things like this, through Jesus, God reaches down to us on our level right where we are, regardless of our condition, and invites us to Him. But she wondered, she said, how could God love me? I'm so worthless. My earthly father doesn't love me. How can I expect a perfect God to love me? Especially, especially since I have these evil thoughts about my father in my heart. She came to a point of decision, she said, when she had to decide, would she pursue her plans to kill her father or would she turn her life over To this God she had been told was merciful and loving even for her. And she did turn her life over uh, to the Lord Jesus and and in time experienced healing and transformation. In that book, Sins of a Father, there are lots of lessons that she teaches, but I want to mention only one. She talks about the the lesson of accountability and responsibility. She says, you and I are responsible for how we respond to our hurt. We cannot do anything about those who hurt us. We cannot erase the tape. We cannot change the past. We cannot undo the hurt. But we are responsible for how we respond to that hurt we can decide to be angry people we can decide to we can decide to be like those who hurt us we can decide to suppress and repress that anger and carry it around until it explodes or we can forgive. You may have heard, and I think it's true, that if we don't heal from our pain, we will bleed on people who did not cut us. That if we don't, if we don't heal, then our anger will explode onto people who are completely innocent, who had nothing to do with our deep pain. I'm in over my head. This is a, a truth that weighs heavily on me because I know it weighs so heavily on so many. And in just a few minutes, I can't, I can't fix that. But I plead with you to, to find healing. In the restrooms around our building, there are those small posters that have a phone number on that. If you'll call that number, that could be a first step. But if not that, somewhere. Because if you and I do not find healing from our pain, it will result in anger. And that kind of anger is a deadly sin.